Well, hello. Welcome back to Between the Lines, the podcast. I'm Jay Lind, and I'll be your host. I decided to mix it up a bit this week with a very special episode about making amends, a sometimes difficult but often crucial part of recovery. But before I do that, I have a few quick updates and announcements. And some good news, of course. As I make sure to mention in the first minute or two of every episode, Between the Lines, the podcast has a rapidly growing and extremely intelligent and very handsome audience. And last week, we picked up a new listener in Mississippi. That means that the podcast is now reaching people in 33 states and 14 countries. I'm planning something very, very special to commemorate the day we officially reach all 50 states. It's going to be huge. Trust me. In related news, Between the Lines, the podcast has now produced and published more than 11 hours of quality content. That may seem like an arbitrary thing to celebrate until you realize that a full season of Ozark is about 10 hours long. So basically, we're now bigger than Ozark. Take that, Bateman. Anyway, if any of you have been listening and learning, or even if this is your first episode, Please remember to rate, review, and follow Between the Lines of the Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Each rating and or review makes it a little more likely that new listeners will continue to find the podcast on whatever podcast platform they use. Remember, the bigger the audience, the bigger the impact. Also, if you'd like to go the extra mile to help support my mission to destigmatize addiction and spread kindness, positivity, and hope to addicts, alcoholics, and their loved ones, there's a link in the episode notes to a PayPal fundraiser for Between the Lines of the Podcast. I find it incredibly awkward asking for money or even witnessing other people trying to generate funding for one thing or another, so so much that I usually take a little break from NPR during their seasonal pledge drives. just makes me uncomfortable. But here I am doing the same thing, because unfortunately, it does take money to maintain the quality and consistency of a podcast like this one, and I would love to continue doing this for a very long time. Anyway, if you're picking up what I'm laying down, please click the link in the episode notes and make a small donation to the podcast. The fundraiser will run for about 20 more days. And every little bit helps. With that in mind, I would like to take a minute to shout out a couple of very generous donations uh, the, the fundraiser has already received. One donation was made anonymously with a message for me to keep it up. Whoever you are, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I most certainly will keep it up. The podcast also received a very generous donation from a group called Friends of Between the Lines. That's a great name for a group. Uh, With a short note they included that said, Encouraging Hope Through Stories. I should have thought of that and made it the tagline of the podcast a long time ago. Uh, It's perfect. Anyway, consider me humbled 
And uh, right now, I'd say my heart is overflowing with gratitude. I promise to continue to bring you all many more stories of experience, strength, and hope. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast or my book, or if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, or if you're interested in advertising your business, charity, foundation, or event on Between the Lines of the Podcast, please drop me an email at betweenthelinesmemoir at gmail.com. But more importantly, thank you all for listening today. This week, I will be talking about making amends in recovery. But before we get to that, this is the good news. Good news. Once again, I have two good news stories this week. And the first one comes from the University of Oregon. Go Ducks! Last week, the university introduced the Home Flight Scholars Program, which will pay the tuition and fees of roughly 175 Native American students enrolled at the school. And the program takes effect immediately. How awesome is that? The second good news story this week comes from the Chicago Tribune, right here in my backyard. The Tribune reported this week that the number of Chicagoans with new HIV or AIDS diagnoses in 2020 sunk to levels not seen since the 1980s. Let's hope the end of the HIV epidemic is near. And that was the good news. Now let's get to the main event already. So the topic of interest this week is making amends. For any 12-steppers out there or anyone who has been to rehab for addiction or alcoholism, or anyone who has even heard of a 12-step program, this part of recovery is probably at least a little bit familiar to you. It is often the part of AA that makes it into movies, TV shows, and books, etc. And those pop culture portrayals of steps 8 and 9 are usually a little misleading, in my opinion. They often depict someone relatively new to recovery going on some kind of apology tour. Ringing any bells with anyone? Well, making amends in recovery is a little more complicated than that, I think. And contrary to my instincts when I first checked into rehab, making amends isn't something we should spend too much time thinking about before we do the important work necessitated in the first seven steps. I remember one of the first counselors I worked with when I checked into inpatient rehab for the first time reminded me that the 12 steps are in the order that they're in for a very good reason. I often use this particular analogy when explaining this to recovery newcomers. The 12 steps are kind of like the steps a pre-med undergrad student has to take before they become a practicing doctor. That would be the 12th step in this analogy. Each of the many steps ahead of that undergrad student who has hopes of practicing medicine one day are essential, and the order of those steps is equally important. So bear with me and take a minute right now 
to imagine some 19-year-old frat boy, let's call him Chad, at some top-tier university, maybe the University of Wisconsin, who just aced the final exam for his freshman year biology class. Now imagine that high on his academic success, Chad decides that he's ready to begin his first rotation in the ER or the pediatric intensive care unit or even to give you a routine physical. I would argue that this would not only be a terrible idea, but that it could be quite harmful and dangerous and that it would most likely make Chad's dream of becoming a licensed doctor a much more unlikely reality. But I can certainly relate to Chad's confidence, passion, enthusiasm, and desire to skip a few steps and start making a difference as soon as possible. Now, I know that analogy isn't perfect, but it does send the right message. And in case I didn't do a very good job making that message clear, here it is. When embarking on a journey as important as, say, becoming a medical doctor or recovering from the often fatal disease of addiction, a person should probably follow the steps in order of the many equally intelligent and motivated people who have had success making that same journey in the many, many years before they even considered it as an option. Those people did the research for us, and the results are clear. It is crucial that we listen to them and follow their lead. That's what's worked for me, anyway. Okay, enough of that forced analogy. Let's look to the big book to see how the making amends steps are actually worded. Let's start with step eight. Step eight tells us to, quote, make a list of all persons we had harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Simple enough. Some people's lists are shorter than others. Mine was quite long, and seven years later, I'm still remembering things and adding names to that list. Now, let's look to step nine. Step nine tells us to, quote, make direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Now, there's definitely a lot to unpack in that one. And I think it's a little ambiguous and open to interpretation. Initially, what I found most troubling was the fact that steps eight and nine do not make it clear what it means exactly to make amends. I did notice, though, that contrary to public perception and mine, the words apology or apologize were nowhere to be found in any of the steps. So let's break it down right here. I'm a words person, so let's just start with the word amend. After consulting several online dictionaries, I found that amend is a verb, meaning to improve, to change or modify for the better, or my personal favorite, to make right. But I still found that language a little ambiguous and kind of confusing. So I looked up what it means to make amends. And here are the two best definitions I could find. One, make amends. To compensate or make up for a wrongdoing. Sounds good. Two, make amends. To do something to correct a mistake that one has made or a bad situation that one has caused. I particularly like 
those two as I caused several bad situations and was on the doing side of more than a few wrongdoings during my years of active addiction. So, full disclosure, a few months ago, I started using Twitter. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. Either way, follow me at jlind40. That's J-A-Y-L-I-N-D 40. Anyway, before I shed some light on how I have tried to make amends with varying levels of success over the years, I want to share some of the advice I got from the unbelievably supportive recovery community I discovered in the Twitterverse when I went to my tweeter and posted this question. What advice do you have for someone in recovery who is struggling to make amends for all of the sadness, pain, and destruction they caused during their active addiction? Pretty good, right? Anyway, here are the uh, a few of the many responses I received. Just the highlights. All right, here's the first one. Be willing. That is the first step. Then start looking for any and all opportunities to give back. That will replace self-loathing with a sense of purpose and goodness. That comes from someone called the ex-problem drinker. I love it. Here's the second one. It's a process that becomes a goal. So as long as you're making progress, you're doing the deal. That comes from Jeffrey M. Here's the third one. Understand. That is where the healing begins. Some will forgive. Some will be skeptical. Some will tell you to fuck off. Some relationships and friendships will never be the same. Facts. That one comes from Vernon McPanda. I love it. Next one uh, comes from someone called Michelle Jordan. I really was hoping it was Michael Jordan. Michelle Jordan said, make your amends and move on. I had a hard time while I carried the weight of my past mistakes. The freedom helped me to forgive myself. Another good one. This one comes from someone called Mart the Sober Tart. Mart said, recover first and forgive yourself. Everyone in recovery has their past. Move on first and just show people the person you are now. That one is similar to uh, my strategy, which I'll get to later. This next one comes from someone called Major. Catastrophe. That's what they used to call me in college. Anyway, Major Catastrophe said, Go slow. Be honest. Make amends as you can. Don't expect anything in return. It takes time. Amen to that one. This next one comes from someone called Tanda Vaughn. Who said, First, forgive yourself. Then go to those you've hurt, make amends whether they accept it or not. You can't control how other people feel. All you can do is take responsibility for harming them. No excuses. Thanks for that one, Tandavon. This one comes from Marty McFly, uh, who comes to us um, from the future or the past. I'm not sure. Marty McFly said, 
When making amends, don't go into details or specifics. You don't want to rehash old feelings and create the situation for that person all over again. Don't make them relive that nightmare. Reassure them that you are changed, you feel remorse, and that it will not happen again. Thank you, Marty McFly. This one comes from Ray. Ray said, some amends are possible, direct amends, and some are not. I was told that I am responsible for the effort, not the result. Pretty wise, right? And these last two, I think, are just pure uh, genius, uh, plain and simple. So this first one comes from someone called GMQ Susan, who said, just do your best to stay sober. And the last one, which I really love, from uh, JCN30014, who wrote, keep getting better. That is what they want, first and foremost. Wow. I'm not sure anything I say now will quite measure up to those Yoda-like responses I got on Twitter, but I'm still going to offer my two cents because I can, I guess. And uh, right now I'm thinking I probably should have done this before I shared all of that, all of that uh, Twitter wisdom, twisdom, Twitter wisdom, twisdom. I think I just coined something. Uh, it's kind of a tough act to follow, so I will try to keep it short and sweet. Here's what I think. As I said earlier, as soon as I arrived in rehab the first time, all I wanted to do was call everyone I hurt and apologize profusely and tell them I'm finally in rehab, so obviously my bad behavior is all in the past. Uh, I really did want to fix all of the problems I caused and to help start the healing process for all the people I'd hurt over the years. But what I was actually looking for back then, if I'm being honest with myself, was some good old-fashioned blanket forgiveness. So I could rid myself of the overwhelming self-hatred, guilt, and shame that I was feeling. But that was selfish and unreasonable and not realistic. Not to mention that I had been issuing apologies and empty promises to change my behavior for as long as I could remember. So I needed to forgive myself, get better, then demonstrate to myself and to all of my loved ones that I was taking full responsibility for all the mistakes I made and the damage I had done. That I was genuinely remorseful for the pain I caused and that I had processed all of it and learned from my experience. That's a lot. I know it was very overwhelming then and it still is today. The only possible way to demonstrate any of that was and is through my behavior. As a writer, reader, and teacher, I will never underestimate the undeniable power of words, but there's no arguing that my amends need to be action-based. This is not to say that I was done with apologies. That couldn't be further from the truth. I still find myself apologizing for the way I was and the things I did while actively addicted to drugs. In just the last few weeks, I've apologized to a former student of mine uh, and one of my closest friends for
for the pain, sadness, and confusion I caused through my actions more than seven years ago. On top of that, I made a conscious effort these days to own my own mistakes, big and small, almost immediately after I realize I have made them. And then I offer a timely and heartfelt apology to whomever I've wronged. And I can't possibly explain what a positive impact this practice has made on all of my relationships. But as far as making amends for my past behavior goes, I just do my best to make what addicts and alcoholics in recovery call living amends. Contrary to direct amends, which can be made by making a list of all the people you owe money to and paying them back, or by replacing the mattress and bedding you puked on after your friend's engagement party, or by repairing the car you crashed or the window you broke. Living living amends just require you to be a better person than you used to be without worrying about who is noticing. For me, that means showing up, being present and dependable consistently. It means asking people about their lives and listening to them when they respond. It means going the extra mile to help my boys with school, sports, and all the other looming dangers of adolescence. It means doing whatever I can, big or small, to make my ex-wife's life more manageable and my mom's life smooth and without any more unnecessary stress or fear. And it means that I must continue to make my recovery a priority to continue to see my therapist regularly and to be honest with him. It means that I have to communicate openly with my partner when I'm struggling. I need to ask for help when I need it, maybe even before I need it this time. And I need to make a consistent effort to express my gratitude for the seemingly endless love, support, and genuine happiness I'm so lucky to have in my life. And I need to pass on all of what I've learned to my sons so that they will absorb it into who they are and maybe model it for their children someday. But I think that the advice from those last two tweeters really says it all. I just need to stay sober. I need to continue to get better. That's what people want. So that's my two cents, I guess. I know I still have amends to make, and I look forward to making them. I just wanted to share some of my experience, along with some of the brilliant wisdom I received from my recovery family on Twitter, with the hope that it may help others striving to make amends as part of their own journey in recovery. So thanks for lending me your ear. I know that uh, I wasn't exactly short and sweet as I promised. Way too many characters for a tweet. So let's get to the gratitude before we wrap it up. I like to finish every episode of the podcast by expressing some gratitude. It's the same way I try to end every day. It definitely helps me keep a healthy perspective on things. And today, I would like to express my gratitude 
for Snoop Dogg. That's right. The S N W O P D O double G Y with D O double G. Now, I do love Snoop, and I've loved him since uh, high school back in the days of Chronic. Little eighteen-year-old Snoop with Dr. Dre. I think I know all the words to every every single song on that album, and uh, you know, almost everything Snoop did for the next few years. Um, and I do enjoy seeing Snoop with Martha Stewart and on every commercial and like on a Cheerios box, and wherever it makes me happy, it gives me warm feelings. But uh, aside from the nostalgia that Snoop Dogg brings me. Um, just the other day, I started watching something, a, uh, a, a documentary series, I guess, on Netflix called Coach Snoop. It's not new. I think it's from like 2018, maybe. Um, but it's about Snoop uh, coaching this football team in Los Angeles uh, in a league called like Snoop youth football program league or something that he started a long 13 years ago or 15 years ago or something. And he coaches one of the teams with the help of a, of his staff, obviously because Snoop is busy with Martha Stewart and doing other things. Um, but he is there for all the games and he knows all the kids on the team. They're like, I guess they, there's, they coach kids from like six to 14, but this, uh, the, the team that they focus the docuseries on is, like 13 and 14 year old kids. And um, it's amazing. And it shows like, you know, you hear a little bit of Snoop's story and, 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 and uh, how he grew up and, and um, how he's trying to use, you know, the, the money and fame and everything that he's earned um, since uh, the chronic back, back when I was in high school to make a difference in his neighborhood uh, where, you know, in, in South central LA and uh, with the, with, with these particular kids and doing it through sports and something that he knew and the way he, the way he talks to the kids and treats the kids and the way he, the, the, the mission uh, that the, the whole program has and the way, um, the way they go about their business, it really just, it just, it really affected me, and uh, so now I'm now I'm I'm going back and I'm watching them again with with my kids. Anyway, it's really powerful, and uh, you know, for anyone out there who thinks, oh, you know, whatever these rappers and blah 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 and hip hop, it sends bad messages and whatever. Um, just watch Coach Snoop on Netflix. Now I have to <laughs> I have to warn you, there's a lot of mfers and uh plenty of n words coming from snoop as well which <laughs> could could uh be uh, a little surprising for some of you as he as, as you watch especially if you're watching with kids but I, I just had a little talk with my kids about it as it's happening and snoop addresses it right there on the show why he talks like that why the coaches talk like that and about the n word and everything anyway i think it's like a super learning experience for for adults and and uh Young people, and also the the, the message um, is 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 a, a powerful one, and it just kind of warmed my heart. Anyway, today I'm feeling feeling especially grateful, uh, more than I more than I am on, on most days for the S N W O P D O W G Y O D O W G. 
All right, that should just about do it. Now it's time for some thank yous and goodbyes. First of all, thank you all for taking the time to listen to me today. I know you'd probably prefer that I had a guest on and an interview and it, you just, just have to listen to me talking this whole time. But um, I do hope there was something of value in this making amends episode for each and every one of you. And if you did, in fact, learn something or find some value in what you heard, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget the fundraiser link that I mentioned that is in the episode notes. Give it a click and make a small donation if you're feeling it, please. Also, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast or my book, that you'd like to share with me, or if you'd like to be a future guest or maybe even a sponsor of the podcast, please feel free to drop me a note at Between the Lines Memoir at gmail.com. Or just spread the word the old fashioned way. Tell a friend if you have one. Or if you don't have any friends, go tell a whole bunch of strangers about the cool podcast you've been listening to. Could be a nice icebreaker, just saying. But most of all, thanks for listening today. And in the wise, wise words of my Uncle Dave, keep it simple, be humble, and hope for the best. See ya. Mm-hmm.